What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Made to Win podcast, a podcast about your inner health, your soul health, your emotional health, mental health, and uh, how all of that affects your discipleship to Jesus. And so I like to say it like this, we were made to win, but winning starts within because whenever your outer world falls apart, all that's left is your inner world. And I think so many people love to try to adjust or fix their external world, but not work on their inner world. And so that's what this podcast is all about. We are officially in March and today has been crazy. Uh, So this is my second go around at recording this particular episode. Uh, I've, I've, I was having a great day, just full transparency, having a great day. Today was a busy day. I had two sermons to prepare. Uh, I'm speaking at an FCA in the morning that I had to prepare for, uh, <clears throat> speaking at our team rally on Sunday night and I had to study for Sunday morning. And then I had to put together my weekly planner, getting ready for a trip to Colorado for church plant coaching trip. And so, man, I was absolutely just crushing the day. Everything was going smooth. Got up here. I recorded for about an hour or so, or so I thought. I kid you guys not. I sat here, talked into this microphone, went, I mean, I I was like pouring my heart out about the subject today. And uh, right as I was finishing the tagline at the end of the podcast, I, I I was looking at the camera. I said, you were made to win, but winning starts within. And I looked to my left at the audio, and I never pushed record. <laughs> and then to make matters worse, I thought, well, I'll see if I can't pull audio from the video. And so I get my good friend Juan Baltazar to uh, pull the memory card and believe it or not, instead of pushing record on the camera, I actually stopped the recording whenever I started the podcast. So that was the greatest conversation no one will ever hear. (laughs) So I'm back up here today. I I was like, you know what? Forget this. I'm going to the gym and uh, try to work some of the stress off. And uh, so I'm back up here this evening to try to correct what I did earlier. So you guys will never know what was said the first go around. I'm going to try this time around to do this right. My audio is recording. My video is recording. You know, I, I, you know, I turned 45 this past year, and I've never felt older than I did today. <laughs> Couldn't get technology going and especially when all it takes is the push of a button anyways how is your march going so far um it's crazy that march is here and uh it's uh it's been uh, an incredible couple weeks and i kind of actually deviated from my plan for today's podcast today's podcast is actually just something that god's put on my heart we're in the season where we're talking about spiritual practices and habits to help in our discipleship to jesus and help form our inner world. As a church, we said last year that our goal um, as a church moving into, I guess, what's next for our church is to awaken our church to formation, spiritual formation and discipleship to Jesus. And that's what we've been focusing on as a church. We said that our focus for 2023 would be prayer and community. We didn't want to be a church that prayed. We want to be a praying church. And uh, 
man, I just want to take a second or take this episode to talk about what we've been experiencing as a church. Um, because we've seen God do some incredible things over, we, we're, we're celebrating 11 years this week as a church. And uh, we started Generation Church on March 4th, 2012. And so this will be 11 years. <clears throat> we were seven and a half years in a in a school, two different schools. Uh, so we were portable. You know, we would go in. Uh, at our first school, we would go in on a Saturday morning, set up, and then tear down Sunday night after our youth experiences. So we would have, at the later days of our first school, um, we would have three experiences that morning, and then our student ministry that night, and then tear everything down. So you're talking about being at church from like 6 a.m. and then not getting everything done or out until like 9 p.m. on a Sunday night. We did that for, I think, three and a half years at that school, and then we moved to a different school where we started setting up on Sunday morning. So same thing, except for now we weren't setting up on Saturday morning. We would have to set up the entire church Sunday morning, and then that night have student ministry, and then tear it all back down again. 2019, we built our first phase, and then rolling into 2022, we actually opened our second phase of this building in that time period, man, we've seen God do some incredible things, but I think what God is doing in our church right now is unique, and um, we are experiencing, I guess, what some people would call a revival. <clears throat> um, I still think it's yet to be seen whether or not this is a revival in our church. I know that word is kind of like a hot topic word right now, especially with Asbury College, um, but it is pretty phenomenal what I'm seeing uh, just in the circles that I run with people that I know, different pastors, churches that I keep up with that are experiencing some of the same things that we're experiencing. And so what that tells me is that there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There is an outpouring of what God is wanting to do in his church in particular. <clears throat> and uh, so just kind of let you guys know, listeners know, um, the Sunday before, so this is day, gosh, I guess this is day 12. Day 12, um, so it's been almost two weeks, the Sunday before Ash Wednesday. I just felt compelled. Actually, we, we had a meeting that Thursday before that Sunday, and I just told our staff, and uh, I said, look, I said, I'm feeling this. I, I kind of changed the whole plan for the weekend and what we were going to do for that Sunday and and moving forward. But I was like, you know, as I was praying through, God, what, what is it during this Lent season? you know, which is the 40 days leading up to Easter that, that, you know, you want to speak to my heart, but also the heart of our church. <clears throat> and I just told our staff, I felt compelled to tell our church that we're going to open up our baptistries for the entire 40 days. Like every day we're going to make opportunities for uh, prayer at our church opportunities for people to receive Christ, opportunities for people. And we've never done anything like this before. And uh, so it was kind of a scary moment when we were kind of rolling this out because you're like, man, is, is anybody going to get baptized? Because we didn't have scheduled baptisms and we didn't have, you know, there, there wasn't like a long line of people waiting to get baptized that we were like, oh, you know, this is a need. It was just a, hey, we're going to take a risk. We're going to step out in faith. And uh, kind of the way I explained it to our church was like the, the widow in Second Kings that 
uh, all she had left was a little bit of oil, and the prophet told her to go get uh, borrow jars. And as she added jars, the oil kept flowing. And I was like, we're just going to, in this season, make ourselves available, uh, keep adding jars to see what God wants to pour out and what he wants to do. And uh, so on day 12, we have seen 11 out of 12 days, we've seen somebody baptized. And it's been incredible. We're, we're on day, 11, you know, day 12 or whatever, and we're like right at almost 100 baptisms in less than two weeks, which is crazy. Because, I mean, it's like I said, it's, it's Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and last Wednesday at our youth, uh, we had 43 students respond to the gospel and be baptized. Um, and I know, like, if you're listening and you're kind of skeptic, you're like, you know, teenagers are emotional. It's like, maybe so. But I think what made this night so special and, and so cool was every kid that made a decision that night, there was a gospel conversation had with them. Parents were called. And, and even like, I think there was like six students that wanted to be baptized, but were pushed off because their parents couldn't be there because they wanted to wait. And so it wasn't like we didn't do our due diligence. It's not like we just, you know, said, Hey, here's a tank, get in like, and 43 students responded to the gospel, had conversations, conversations with their parents and took their next step in baptism. Unreal. And, um, since then, I mean, it's just been like, and we've already got baptism scheduled for tomorrow this is thursday i'm recording this on a thursday you'll hear this on the following tuesday <clears throat> so today is march 2nd we've got baptism scheduled for friday night i'm not sure about saturday night but we've already got 10 to 12 scheduled for sunday morning and so this just keeps unfolding um and, and last sunday you know it was it was wild because you know um and i tell people this you know that, and don't hear what I'm not saying, that we are living in the harvest of a healthy field that was planted in my heart six years ago. And here's what I mean by that is like, you know, I believe that God uses us in spite of us. I mean, you look at all through the Bible, God uses imperfect, broken people, and sometimes to do incredible things. And here's what I know is that sometimes God uses us in spite of us, but I truly believe God wants to partner with us i believe he wants to use us um the the full whole us and what i tell people is like yeah we've seen god do some incredible things the first five six years of our church but i truly believe the last four to five years has been god prepping our church for something special because um i've really focused on allowing jesus and the holy spirit to heal my inner world which is why I started this podcast. And um, and again, it's not because, this, I, I want you to hear, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. This is not happening because of me. But I am saying because, because I believe that people in our leadership and the direction that we're going as a church, because we are focusing on spiritual formation, discipleship, inner health, really not, really kind of getting away from just that typical, you know, I think coming out of 2020, what a lot of churches realized is that maybe, just maybe, what we built wasn't healthy, sustainable, or even sometimes building the kingdom. 
And again, I'm speaking from my personal standpoint. I'm not speaking from for anybody else. I'm just saying that, you know, there was always the four B's that we were consumed with. And that is, you know, butts, how many butts are in the seat? Budgets, how much money did we bring in? Um, buildings, you know, what, what, what new thing, what new building project are we in? And uh, buzz, like, uh, is there enough buzz and hype going around um, to draw people to us? And what I know is, you know, I always lived by that, by those markers because that's how I was taught or that's what I thought was the most important in order for people to say, you're successful as a church. And again, not blaming anybody else, just blaming one, my um, unhealthiness as a leader. I still had a lot of deep rooted stuff in my heart and soul that God had to free me from, and it's continuing to free me from. I'm not here to tell you that I've conquered it all. But um, what I would tell any leader, pastor, ministry leader listening is um, sometimes the thing, you know, we say things like this. We say, um, well, healthy things grow. And it's like, yeah, but so does fungus, you know, like, um, so does cancer, you know? So I think sometimes we use these cliches as an excuse not to really evaluate deep hearted motives. And so here's what I would tell people. This is what's been incredible about this move that we are experiencing is that it really started six, seven, eight months ago. And that started, you know, a year or two ago. Like everything, always tell people like whatever season you're in is probably what you're reaping from two seasons ago. That's why if you you feel like you've changed and you're changing and you're not the same person you used to be, but there are people who know you in your previous season, they don't see that. They, they only see you from two seasons behind. And it's because it takes a while for your current reputation to catch up with you. And I think it's the same way in church. I think whatever season you're in right now, you're reaping what was sown two seasons before and so on and so forth. And so I, I believe what God is blessing and pouring out right now is because of the hard field work that's been done over the last year or two. But particularly about six or seven months ago, um, I tell people what this is being built off of is, and, and this is kind of this whole episode, I would just say is like the recipe for revival, Right. And first and foremost is the health of leadership. And when I say health, I mean like deep soul health. Here's, here's what's scary about a lot of um, Christians in America, especially today, is we have a lot of nominal Christianity. And that is just people who, you know, they see their, their walk with Jesus as a one time. I said a prayer. I got dunked. And I punched my ticket, and so now I'm just waiting for, you know, the cherry in the sky to come get me. And then I'll get to heaven, and I'll escape this nasty, evil place, broken place. But until then, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't stop sinning, and I can't stop doing these things. But, hey, God forgave me, so I'm good to go. And I think it's just a cheap, um, really watered-down version of the gospel and the kingdom that Jesus preaches about. So one, I think like when the health of the leader 
and their soul health uh, is in a is in a place where um, God can really use you. I think it begins to plant seeds that impact other. It's a ripple effect into other people, and so I think that's that's one thing that you see. The second thing that that kind of started this six seven months ago. Uh, I remember coming out of my, I always do a week-long solitude sabbatical where I try to pray, obviously spend time in solitude, spend time planning um, and, and resting and just getting along with God. And I just felt, you know, hey, the direction our church is going is toward formation discipleship. I said the next year, you know, because remember, we had just come out of a building phase where we opened up the second phase of our building expanded the building, built a new kid space, lots of excitement. And so the problem with that is, is like, all right, what's next, right? And there's even pressure to, to, when you get asked that as a pastor, well, what's next for Generation Church? Well, what are you guys doing next? And what's next was, well, we're going to focus on prayer and community. And it's like, what? You know, like, but I know, but like, when are we going to build, you know, uh, youth building. When are we going to build this? When are we going to, you know, put the new cafe in? When are we going to get the disc golf course done? You know, like there's all these different things that are a part of our phases on the property. But, you know, sometimes when you say something out loud, like, you know, when I was alone with God, it's like, yeah, we're going to dive in. We're going to become a praying church and we're going to go deep into community, transparent, authentic, deep community around church around, you know, and, and the way we've been saying it, we, we just did a series called The Table. It was you know, you need church around the table, not just church around the stage. Church around the stage is informational. Church around a table is transformational. And so, but then when I said it out loud to the church, it's like, oh man, nobody's going to be excited about this, you know, because you're just like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to lead our church to a place where God has led me. And it was this place, you know, I think about Moses um, when he ran from Egypt when he, when he murders the Egyptian, they find out about it, and Moses goes on the run, and he's gone for 40 years. And the Bible says that when he was running, he finally came to this place where he stopped. And interesting enough, he stops at a place, uh, he stops at a well. And I don't think, when I think through Scripture, I think that sometimes the most insignificant things that we read are actually very significant to God. And he sits down at this well. And a well to the Hebrews was a metaphor for the soul. You know, if you think about it, you know, you're going to draw from whatever is deep within. And Moses had drawn, you know, like what, what came out of Moses was anger, frustration, dysfunction, narcissism, all this different stuff. And it took 40 years for Moses to draw out of his soul this healing that he needed to happen in order for God to take him back and deliver the Israelites, right? And so we we get to to like six, seven months ago, and we roll out, hey, we're gonna do prayer and community. And I just want to lead people to the well, to the place where I've been, where God has drawn some deep goodness. You know, he's he's uprooting all of this unforgiveness, bitterness, things like that from me. And he's getting me to a place of healing. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty powerful last week. Um, 
I, uh, for several years now, you know, if anybody knows me, I'm a fitness fanatic, you know, I, I'm in the gym five, six days a week. Um, and I, about 75 to 80% most of the time, uh, eat pretty clean, uh, take supplements, uh, get sleep. I mean, I'm, I'm the, you know, minimum of six, maximum of eight and, uh, eight hours. And so, but it never fails three to four times a year. I get sick and it's usually some sort of chest infection. I'm prone to like, I think I've caught every round of COVID. I think I've, I mean, I've gotten the flu, pneumonia. I just got over strep. Like, and it just seems like, I mean, there are three or four times a year I'm getting steroid shots because, you know, I'm having to overcome an infection. And it, it's always frustrating, right? Because, like, I know some of my friends who are the most unhealthy people and they're never sick, you know. And, um, but here I am trying to be healthy. And then, of course, when you get sick, everybody's like, have you tried this? Have you tried this? And I'm like, I'm telling you, I have literally tried everything. And, I, my immune system is just weak. And so um, my brother-in-law and my mother-in-law are telling me about um, this holistic doctor. Uh, they're called iridologists. Uh, when you read it, it looks like iridologist, but I was corrected very quickly by the doctor that it is iridologist because it is the, it's a holistic approach of medicine through your eyes. Now, what I'm about to tell you is going to sound really strange, but hear me out because I've, I mean, every person that I've talked to that has experienced an iridologist, um, very positive, very, uh, I mean, it's very affirming, including my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law had a autoimmune disease that the doctors couldn't catch. The iridologist caught it and he was healed, um, within six weeks, six to eight weeks, uh, pretty powerful, uh, incredible stuff. And, um, to, and they, you know, they use a holistic, all natural herbs approach to, uh, which most of the time they tell you that it stems from your gut health. Almost every autoimmune disease, every disease in your body comes from your gut health, which is pretty uh, phenomenal. And you think about all the things we do to destroy our gut, including, guess what, taking a lot of antibiotics, um, which when you're sick half the year, um, that's what's in your body, right? And so uh, I promise you I'm getting somewhere when it comes to uh, the well so I get to this iridologist and they have a way of looking at your eye. Your left eye actually represents all your predispositions that come from your mom's side of the family. Your right eye has all the predispositions that come from your father's side of the family. And so she's showing me these marks on my eye and what they mean. And it's crazy because she said, you know, you have a predisposition to um, digestive problems. And it's like, yep, like half my mom's side of the family had colon issues um, colon cancer, all this stuff. And so remember, this is all like, she's just reading my eyes telling me this father side has liver issues. And she says, I see an issue in the lungs. Um, and I'm like, that's, you know, that's, that's where I have most of my issues. And, and the way they do it, they actually can link it. And it's a long story. I'm not going to go deep, deep into it, but basically, all of these different things that happen throughout your lifetime create waves of energy through your body that can cause health problems. Now, if you know anything about my story, I grew up in um, dysfunction, abuse, 
uh, just all kind, you know, sexual, physical, mental, emotional, all those different things, different kinds of abuse. So she begins to tell me, like, this is linked to a feeling of unworthiness. And I, I'm literally in this doctor's office and tears begin to roll down my face because, and she said, it doesn't even have to be you. It can be somebody in your family. And I started thinking about, you know, for years, um, everything I did, even in ministry was so that I could somehow achieve worthiness in God's eyes or in other people's eyes. I needed affirmation. I needed people to love me and like me because that was missing in my childhood. And I'm just sitting there and here's what's crazy. This was just last week, uh, the end of February and the middle of January, right before our 24 hour prayer experience, I had a good friend in our church, uh, Brandon Murphy. He just comes up to me randomly on a Sunday morning. He says, I don't know why I'm supposed to tell you this. He said, but I feel like God wanted me to tell you you're worthy and you're right where you need to be and you are his son. And now at the time, it, you know, it didn't really, I was like, man, that's really encouraging. But like, it wasn't like there was anything that I was feeling until last Saturday when I sat there and heard the doctor tell me that some of my own sickness in my body stems from an emotional wound of unworthiness. And, uh, you know, again, I I say all this to say, like, most people never take the time to sit next to the well and allow God to draw out all of the dysfunction in our bodies, all the dysfunction in our hearts, minds. I mean, if you think about it, we, we are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. And so everything, our physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, all stems from the whole, the, the health of our entire soul. It's what's deep within the well. And so my, my goal and my, you know, whole push for our church is to lead them to that place by the well. You know, I want them to experience prayer the way I've experienced it. I want them to experience healing the way I've experienced it. And so at our men's retreat in October, that was the theme, was the well. And we actually had, you know, different wells set up throughout the camp, and we had places of prayer. And I kid you not, it was one of the most transformative weekends I've ever seen. And it was like an ember was sparked in our church because there were men throughout. I don't think there was a man in that entire retreat that didn't sit around a fire and confess some sort of deep, deep wound, sin, past, trauma, offense. Um, And man, it was like the most incredible weekend of healing I've ever seen. Because, you know, a lot of times when we talk about healing, when we pray for healing, you know, everybody only only thinks about the external, which is why we miss what God really wants to do on the internal. And that is heal our soul. Heal the deep trauma because all of that affects our physical sickness. And so from that, all of a sudden, our men's groups began to exponentially grow. I mean, it is wild right now. Right now, almost every night of the week, there are groups of men, and now it's starting to trickle over into the women because I think with the modern church, what we have turned community into 
It's just small groups, and small groups usually means it's a six to eight week semester, and you're going to come around, you're going to listen to a Beth Moore thing, you're going to listen, and nothing wrong with these things. Don't get me wrong, but we have taken away the depth and the beauty and the discipline and the spiritual practice, the biblical spiritual practice of transparency, authenticity, and confession because those things lead to healing. James even tells us that. He says, confess your faults to one another so that you may be healed. And when he's talking about that, he's actually talking about a physical healing. How powerful is that? That when you confess, like that sometimes our sickness in our body stems from a wound or a trauma or, or something within our souls that we have not dug out of that well. And so all of a sudden, this begins to exponentially grow. And then fast forward to our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I think for the first time ever, the majority of the people in our church, especially the men in our church, were fasting and praying. I've never seen um, as many people participating as I did this year. And it was probably still only like a third of our church. And then we fast forward to our 24-hour, first ever 24-hour prayer experience. And oh my gosh. It was like you introduced people to Jesus for the first time ever. People who had been in church for years, and they were like, I didn't know this was possible. And it was such an incredible experience. People would walk through the front doors of the lobby, not even to the auditorium yet. And what we did is we set up different areas in the auditorium, and for 24 hours there was, you know, basically um, instrumental music playing. You had an area where you could light candles to pray for somebody. You had crosses where you could nail sin and different things to the cross. You had altars where people could pray prayers. You had a um, a prayer maze that you could like basically, or it wasn't a maze, it was like a prayer walk. Uh, they call it a labyrinth, a prayer labyrinth. And you're supposed to walk through this labyrinth and pray. And when you get to the end, you realize like God's been with you the whole journey. Like it was all these incredible, unique experiences. There was a place for silence and solitude. People would walk through the door of the lobby and just begin to weep. They would feel the presence of God. And they were like, we need to do this more often. I'm like, that's where I'm trying to lead our church to. And that Sunday night, we had our, a worship night to culminate 21 days of prayer. And it was the most incredible worship experience that I think we've ever had as a church. Because everybody in that room was unified in prayer. Um there were people who found healing that night in multiple ways. There were people who found salvation. There were people who um, found deep community. It, it was just, I can't explain to you through a podcast um, what it did for our church. It was like another spark that, again, embers started spreading. And so, um, so when I say the recipe for revival, it's getting to the well and drawing out all the things within you that are not of Jesus and allowing him to restore your well uh, to health and wholeness. And then secondly, it is going hard after corporate and private prayer as a church, as individuals. And third, it is going deep into transparent community with confession, um, with transparency. And here's what I'll tell you is it's not for everybody. You know, there, there, there have been 
people who show up and then just like, man, I just, I'm not ready for this. And that's okay. Um, but I think what's been so refreshing is the number one thing that I've heard a lot of new people tell me when they've walked into our doors is say, the thing I love most about this place is that it is real and it is authentic and I appreciate your transparency, which is awesome, right? It's a great compliment, but it's also like terrifying to know like that that is a rare thing. In other words, like how many places do we go where it's usually inauthentic and fake and there's no transparency and going to like all the spiritual stuff. It's more of just a check the box. And if I can fit it into my schedule, you know, I'll do a small group. Uh, I might serve, I might give a little money and we'll go to church three out of eight weeks. That is the typical modern church in America. And what we've tried to do is just say like, listen, we're trying to strip away all of the consumeristic thoughts of what it means to follow Jesus. And we have dove hard into, and here's what's crazy, crazy is we're talking about the, the biblical things that are laid out for discipleship and apprenticeship and formation to Jesus that for most people who've been in church for years, they're hearing it for the first time. And I thought, my God, what are, what are we doing? What have we done? Where all we've made the gospel, all we've turned the gospel is into is just punch a ticket and sit back and wait for your ride. When the majority and the gist of Jesus' message was the kingdom, and most people are missing the kingdom. They're missing transformation from the inside out. And so I don't know what, I mean, we're, we're day 12 of 40 leading up to Easter. I don't know what God's going to continue to do. Um, but my prayer for our church, my prayer for you listening, if you are a part of another church is God is able, but are we making ourselves available and that we would just stay humble, that we would stay the course. We would not get sidetracked. Sometimes one of the worst things that can happen to us is we experience blessing because then that blessing forces us into a a season of comfort and contentment. And here's what I know is that, yes, we are seeing people come to Christ and be baptized by, by the droves, but there are still thousands of people in our community who are addicts, thousands of people who are um, getting divorced, thousands of people who don't know the Lord, thousands of people living in abuse and abandonment, um, thousands of people who have walked away from God in the church. So there is... There is not a lack of gospel work to be done in our community and beyond. Um, and it's, it's crazy because it really is getting us to a place of just focusing on the most important things. You know, I, I, I'm going to close with this. I love the parable Jesus gives about the kingdom when he says the, the kingdom is like a man who discovered a treasure in a field. And upon his excitement, he covers the treasure up, goes, sells everything he has to buy that field. And, you know, I'm actually, I actually taught on this Sunday night to a team rally, but, you know, my challenge is just buy the field. Get rid of all the other excess distractions and buy the field. And that is prayer, discipleship, um, corporate worship 
um, develop, you know, spending time in relationship and in community, <clears throat> and that will lead to evangelism. The people we are seeing come to our church, it's not because of some, and it's been crazy lately. I mean, absolutely nuts. And it's not because of some gimmick or draw or whatever, it, or some big day or special event. It's literally because of what I heard a quote a long time ago. It says, if you set yourself on fire, people will come to watch you burn. And right now, there are people in our community who are being drawn to other people because their lives are being transformed authentically. And you're seeing nominal Christians get saved. You're seeing the real Christians that have fallen asleep wake up. And you're seeing people far from God come to know Christ. And so... That's me sharing my heart today about what we're experiencing, what I pray and hope that most people would open themselves up to experience. And so if you're listening, maybe uh, maybe your first step is to go to the well. Sit down in a place um, and find somebody to go to the well with you and allow the deep, dark things to be uprooted from your heart and your soul so that you can find freedom. You know, what's powerful about Moses and his experience at the well is that it took 40 years to take this narcissistic, angry um, man into a soft, humble man. And God could not set the Israelites free until Moses was free. And my question for you is who is waiting on your healing. Remember, you're made to win, but winning starts within.